If things had progressed with either of those guys and they wound up being a scammer or a murderer and someone made a documentary about how I met them, people would be sitting on their couch and they would look at both of those scenarios and be like, well, that's where she first went wrong. Heartbreakers, welcome back for another episode. Today's episode is a little bit of a deviation from our regulars because you get an uninterrupted solo episode today. And it feels like it's been a long time since I've done one of these. I don't think it's actually been that long, like in the grand scheme of things. It just feels like it's been a long time. So I'm excited. And I say that because, you know, a lot of times I feel like I get to share a little bit more about what has been going on in my life recently versus, you know, with the guest episodes. It's like, who knows when that was recorded? Like sometimes if I'm really on top of things, that could have been recorded like two, three months ago. So not quite the case. I'm not quite as on top of things right now. And part of why that is, is because things have been hectic. Like the main reason being I'm kind of like back on my pre-pandemic bullshit. And by bullshit, I mean, actually, you know, like positive, productive things that make you a functioning member of society. Like I'm a gym member again for the first time in two whole years, unless you count my months of physical therapy as a gym membership, which it's really not. And on top of that, I've actually started going back into the office. And I say back into the office, but really it's like into the office for the first time. So part of what makes things so busy is the fact that like, I'm not just returning to my familiar routine from before the pandemic and doing the same things that I was. This is like entirely new. Like it's a new gym. It's a new job. There's a lot to figure out. It's like every time I've gone into the gym, I've like almost walked past the bathroom stalls accidentally or like fumbled with my phone checking on the app. And I'm always like, oh my God, like people can tell I'm new here. It's going to be like, she doesn't even go here. And so I'm still getting used to that. And also figuring out the commute to a different office. And yeah, I mean, honestly, I will say that I'm happy that the commute has changed because it means I'm no longer commuting all the way to the valley, but it's still new. It's like I can actually take public transit for the first time. And I love when I have the ability to take public transit. So I thought it would be like a no brainer now that I live and work right off of a metro stop. It's like a five minute walk from my condo and then a seven minute walk from the metro stop to my office. But the other day I got really bold and I like tried to put this whole routine together where I was like, okay, let's drive to the gym. Then from the gym, you're going to drive to the nearest metro station and then park your car and then take the metro into work and then walk to and from the metro stop at the start and the end of the day and then metro back home and then get your car and then drive home. And in addition to being time consuming, it's like also $6 and 50 cents a day between the metro rides plus parking. So it's, I mean, I guess that's cheap, but it's not that cheap. So there are definitely days when I'm like, just, I'm just going to drive, you know? And this is why everyone in LA drives and just continues to pollute and sit in their cars grumpy in traffic and alone because LA really does not make it easy to do this whole public transportation thing. 
Anyway, enough about all of that. There is another random thing that I've been dedicating a disproportionate amount of time to in the past few weeks. And I realize how ridiculous it's going to sound before I say it. So just prefacing that. Reality TV, specifically reality dating shows. I'm not even like a big reality TV viewer, but the two shows that I do watch, Love is Blind and The Bachelor, have overlapped with one another. And it's like a blessing and a curse. And again, I know it sounds silly. I can opt out of these things. And I really could try to absolve myself from responsibility and say like, oh, well, I have a dating podcast. And so I feel an obligation to watch these things as a dating podcaster. And that is true to an extent, because when you follow other dating accounts, you realize that these two shows in particular have a pretty significant presence on social media, just because of like how topical they are, how dramatic they are, how many buzzworthy moments there are. So it does kind of feel like if I'm going to talk about dating on a podcast and on social media, I should have a point of view on these things, or at least know what and who people are referencing. But claiming that I watch solely out of obligation to the podcast is like the partial truth. That's like the guy who would claim that he reads Playboy for the articles. Like, yeah, you probably appreciate the journalistic quality of literature, but you're also simultaneously there to like enjoy the tits. And that's like me. Like, yes, I'm here for all of the debates and all of the psychological assessments that are spun out of these shows around whether someone should be diagnosed as a narcissist and what we can glean about someone's attachment style based on the behaviors they're displaying on screen. But I'm also here for the metaphorical tits, which in this case is like just drama. So it got me thinking, like, why do we love reality shows? And I, of course, use we loosely because I realize there are many people out there, maybe some of you are listening, or maybe you've turned it off because you're like, wow, she's just going to talk about reality shows again. So there are many people out there who don't watch. And there are also people who not only don't watch, but also go so far as to claim to hate them with every fiber of their being. Personally, I feel like those people don't protest too much because I myself have been that person for certain shows. In fact, I still remember when Love is Blind came out and so many of my coworkers were raving about it, but I just had this like disdain for the concept of the show because I just felt like the premise sounded trashy in some way. You know, not like the very classy format of The Bachelor, which has someone simultaneously dating 30 members of the opposite sex while they live as roommates obviously kidding. Like I know it seems silly to say one is trashier than the other, but that is just the assumption that I made. And then finally, I went over to a friend's house and she was just like, okay, just try one episode. And the rest was history. And here I am. Clearly, I am very into it. And then recently, the same thing happened with the Tinder swindler. For some inexplicable reason, I just assumed it would be kind of cheesy and I didn't want to watch it. And it came full circle because I was actually at a friend's house specifically to watch the Love is Blind wedding episode. And after that ended, her and her husband were so adamant about how much they thought I would like it. They're like, well, you have to watch this. At least just check out the beginning. And I was in. And eventually I finished watching it myself because I wanted to talk about it. And I'm going to spare the commentary that we've all heard. Like, why would you assume you're the only person someone can turn to for money? Why wouldn't you ask him about getting money from his billionaire family? Blah, blah, blah. Like, those are not new or interesting takes. 
When I was watching it, in addition to having all of those thoughts, I also found myself kind of thinking about how he identified his targets, starting with Cecilia. So my question was really like, how did he just know that this woman and all of the other women who he swindled would be so amenable to putting her finances in complete jeopardy? And off the bat, so Cecilia, you know, she's introducing the story and it just highlights so many red flags. I feel like the first one was when she said, a handsome man with a cat, you can't go wrong while swiping. No, I'm just kidding. That's not really a red flag. But she did still say so many things that revealed to us as an audience that she just might not have the best judgment or be the most discerning when it comes to dating. And I just took note of a few specific things because I was an avid online dater at one point. So these were things that I had to actively consider myself. Like at one point, she says, the moment I get nervous, I know that there's something special there. So the fact that what she's saying is she views not just butterflies, but being like full on nervous as a green flag in a dating scenario rather than a red flag, that indicates that this is probably not someone who's going to heed her intuition. In fact, as she was recounting her initial experiences with Simon, it became apparent that Cecilia is the epitome of someone who just does things for the plot. Like she kept brushing off every weird or potentially even dangerous element of their interactions as this could be interesting. Like I think she said that exact phrase multiple times, even down to meeting his ex on their first date. And then even as she's recapping what in hindsight, and honestly, like even in the moment, was clearly love bombing, she can't help but like smiling as if she still views the whole experience as a fairy tale. It wasn't until the part of the story where he starts to turn and become cold towards her that she seems to like snap out of it and realize like, oh, yeah, this isn't a happy story. There's no fairy tale ending here. But then, okay, it makes you still wonder. Yes, that's apparent to us as an audience who is removed from the situation and seeing it play out in totality. But how did he know that? Like, how was he so adept at choosing victims who would eat all of this up and ask minimal questions? Then you realize that his approach was literally tailor-made to sniff out people who didn't really have boundaries. The fact that he would immediately after matching with someone open his conversations by inviting them to meet at his hotel for coffee, boom, like that's already the first way to filter them. It's like, even if you're convinced it's safe, which it very well could honestly be when you're first meeting someone at a major, well-known, expensive hotel cafe in the middle of the day, unless you somehow get bamboozled into going back to their room, it's presumably as safe as meeting someone at any other coffee shop. So that isn't at its core, the issue. It's just like the immediacy of going on a date with someone who you haven't even established banter with. And he's trying to get me to go all the way to him immediately no. And then once he sees that he can cross that boundary, he pushes it further. I mean, a lot further, but he pushes it further by asking her to travel with him. Like once she said yes to that, yeah, of course he knows that he could get her on the hook. The type of girl who doesn't even consider that this stranger who she's known off of Tinder for an hour could be a murderer, ideal target. And I just want to pause and say, I'm not victim blaming here. You know, I know a lot of people did that once the story came out. And I don't think that this woman or any of these women need any more of that. I'm really just looking at this from the perspective of like, psychologically, how did he know which people would be the most amenable to this? 
Anyway, going back to that. So yeah, it's like this person is open to flying to a different country on a private jet with a stranger. Okay. And then imagine after all of that for him to be like, I know I flew you all the way out here and like we just had sex, but you should probably fly back now. Like even if he's paying for my flight on this private jet, imagine like couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. Honestly, she could have just been like, okay, cool. I got a free trip on a private jet that I would probably never experience otherwise and a fun hookup out of it. And like, that really could have been it. Like, it really could have been like, I do things for the plot and this is just fun. But now, instead of being like, okay, I'm out, she became fully invested and she proceeded to leave no doubt about how invested she was. It was like he was actually love bombing her with clear malintent, but she like committed the genuine, pure, unintentioned version of love bombing someone. You know, it's like just being so crazy open about like how much she's into him when it's like, you don't know this guy. So like, I don't know what you're basing this off of. And he did the same thing. But of course, his was with malice. And it's like avoidant dating advice, which I've admittedly followed in the past, is like, don't even save a guy's number until you feel like he's serious and he's going to stick around. And she went as far as to do the exact opposite, to like save his number with a freaking heart next to it. I mean, even beyond the fact that I thought Cecilia looked kind of similar to Pranilla when she was introduced, the fact that they both saved his number with an emoji next to it just solidified how much this man truly has a type when he is seeking out scam victims. He like has it down to a science. Anyway, all that being said, you know, I feel like there's some good advice to kind of remind yourself of there in terms of like, you know, maybe question things that seem too good to be true. And maybe don't go along with a plan that someone just throws out there when it clearly doesn't have any consideration for what's convenient to you and what you're interested in. But I also think that reflecting all of this just exemplifies what is so appealing about these shows. Because it's kind of reassuring to see these extreme scenarios and just be able to sit safely and comfortably on your couch and think, well, that would never happen to me. It kind of makes you feel like better about yourself, sometimes even a little self-righteous, admittedly, because even if you just had a blowout fight with your partner or you're in like a toxic situationship, you can point to someone else in this extreme scenario and be like, I could never. And it's easy to say that because you have plausible deniability as someone who isn't in the situation and therefore doesn't have their judgment clouded by any sort of emotion. Even me, I just went on and on about all the ways that Cecilia clearly made it apparent that she could be turned into a victim by this man. And I could say, yeah, I would never accept a date where the guy makes me travel to him. So Simon would have never even had a chance with me. And there was a past situation where this guy kept insisting on me coming to his neighborhood for a first date. And I flat out refused because I was like, it's very weird how insistent and uncompromising you're being. So when you look at that one example, yes, that logic tracks, not a victim. But then I think about the time when I literally drove to Altadena for a third date at some guy's house because he offered to cook me dinner and I didn't share my location with anyone. Could have been murdered. It's literally almost in the woods. Or the time when I accepted a last minute first date to go to the beach all the way in Malibu with some guy I hadn't talked to for that long. Like we just exchanged a few messages and I justified it by being like, well, I was planning to go to the beach by myself anyway, which was true. And it's equally as far for him. It's not like he's making me go all the way to Malibu because he lives there. And so I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then he ended up being weird. 
And if things had progressed with either of those guys and they wound up being a scammer or a murderer and someone made a documentary about how I met them, people would be sitting on their couch and they would look at both of those scenarios and be like, well, that's where she first went wrong. And, you know, even when it's a scenario when the stakes aren't life and death, or in the case of the Tinder swindler, life and debt, there's still solace in looking at someone's scenario and being like, well, I would have done things differently. And to bring it back to The Bachelor, even for that, everyone who watched this most recent finale and had their own very strong feelings about Susie's decision to wind up with Clayton after everything that they went through is basically just feeling smug and self-righteous over their conviction that if they were in that situation, they would have surely handled things better and differently. And to be clear, this is not a moment for me to be self-righteous in my own way and say, they who live in glass houses must not cast stones or anything like that, because I myself was right there in my disappointment over Susie's eventual decision. So I'm guilty of it too. I just thought it was kind of an interesting reflection on what we actually get from reality dating shows and how a little bit of schadenfreude comes into play. How do you say that? Schadenfreude. Okay. As we're watching the drama and sometimes downright tragedy play out on screen. So (laughs) the last thing I'll say, I'll end with this. I'm not directly comparing Clayton to the Tinder swindler, but all I will say is that he really brought Gabby and Rachel together over their shared trauma from dating him the same way that Simon brought Cecilia and Pernilla together. Both Clayton and the Tinder swindler kind of wound up with the outcome that they wanted after only a minimal period of repentance, and they both wear a lot of turtlenecks. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. Thanks for joining me for this solo episode, and if you... Okay. I mean, I know I said I wouldn't talk about reality content for a while, but if you have any thoughts about the Tinder swindler or the bachelor or love is blind, please reach out to me. I would love to hear your thoughts and you can always email me at interstatesandheartbreak at gmail.com all spelled out. You can also DM me on Instagram at interstatesandheartbreak all spelled out also, or you can find me on TikTok shocker also at interstatesandheartbreak all spelled out. And I will see you all next week. Bye. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday. Sunday.